I really can't wrap my head around. I can look out the window and I can see signs for it right now. I can see Roman's stupid face to the left of me. Welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and we are one day away from the first premium live event in the United Kingdom in 30 years. We've got the challenger for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, Drew McIntyre, joining the show. And of course, we've got you covered as far as breaking down everything going down this weekend in Cardiff, Wales. I can never do this on my own. So welcome the booberry to my Count Chocula, the voice of NXT 2.0, Vic Joseph. Vic, what's the word, my friend? It's very delicious cereal. No, you know, this is a huge Labor Day weekend for WWE. Not only talk about Clash of Clash of the Castle on Saturday, Worlds Collide for NXT is on Sunday, but I want to go back to Monday because one, A, you should be well, well rested. The show is just right down the street from from where I you wish live. every week I only had a nine minute commute to work. Nine minutes, is it? Nine minutes from my front Damn. door to PPG Paints Arena. Maybe you should work into your next contract. You only work Pittsburgh, but you get paid for the year. I think that's a, that's a great idea. That's <laughs> the best idea you've ever had. Let's, let's look into that. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. You know, I want to go back, though, to Raw because uh, in the closing moments, obviously huge WWE Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament came to its head. Final two teams. I was shocked just like everybody else because since the beginning, I had EO Sky, Dakota Kai, pegged to win the gold on Monday. And you weren't the only ones. I think everybody who's been following along, particularly the listeners of After the Bell, the most well-informed fans in the WWE universe, I think nobody would have been surprised. And I think everybody had sort of come to terms with it was going to be EO Sky and Dakota Kai, right? That was what everybody expected. And of course, that's exactly the opposite of what we got on Monday. And full disclosure for everybody listening, we are recording this Tuesday morning uh, because I have to travel to Wales. I will be in the UK by the time this drops. So forgive me if there's been new developments or new information that's come out in the wake of the controversy surrounding the WWE Women's Tag Team titles. But Aaliyah and Raquel Rodriguez shocking everybody. The response from the live crowd was almost odd because people had their jaws on the floor. Nobody knew it was coming. Nobody expected it. And, and this is really, really wild. But in the immediate wake, Monday night, I got back home and I'm scrolling through Twitter and it's still going on today, this morning. Everybody's talking about the controversy at the end of that matchup. And I started to say something on the air because like you guys at home who are watching on television, I watch a monitor in front of me. Vic, you know this. We do this so that we can best describe what the fans at home are seeing rather than what we can see in the arena, even though we have the best seats in the house, five feet from the ring. I saw the same things you guys did. I was as confused as anybody in the arena or watching at home when Aaliyah scored that final pinfall. And what got me was the camera cut to Dakota Kai, who appeared to be saying, I'm not a master lip reader, but I'm pretty good at it. I wasn't legal. She was adamant, Dakota was, that she was not legal, in which case... The match should continue. The match should not end. The illegal competitor was pinned. That is not end the match under normal circumstances. 
I don't know, however, because I was watching, just like everybody at home, all of the action. There were bodies flying everywhere. There were moves happening. There was tags in and out and competitors getting in the ring and thrown out. There was pure chaos. So it's easy to believe that something got lost in the shuffle. Dakota said she wasn't legal. I almost called it out on Raw. I, I, I started to say it, and then I went, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not 100% certain that what I saw was accurate. So I'd rather not say anything. And I don't want to spoil the moment for Raquel and Aaliyah who had just had the biggest victory of their careers. So I understand why a lot of people are confused. And again, this is Tuesday morning. There's not a lot of clarity regarding the actual outcome. Other than we do know that officially Raquel and Aaliyah are the women's tag team champions. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, a cool moment for those two, obviously, dating all the way back to NXT. I will say, Dakota Kai this morning, I just happened to see it right before we recorded, did send a tweet to Triple H, said, hey, boss, we need to talk. So, obviously, something's going to happen. Something's going on. There's got to be a conversation had, but we need to move on because, as you've already mentioned, huge weekend. Clash at the Castle. And I just want to put it out there right now to you. The match I'm looking forward to the most, Gunther, Sheamus, Intercontinental Championship, having covered Gunther, that's a mouthful, in UK and here in NXT, this could be one of the most physical matchups in recent memory. These two will literally beat the hell out of one another and like it. Not should be, could be, might be. It will be the most physical match of the weekend. Perhaps barring the Drew McIntyre-Roman Reigns match, which we'll dive into when Drew joins us here in a little bit. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I have gushed on this show many, many times about my my affinity for Gunther and what a a special talent and old school throwback he is and why I just love everything about Gunther's presentation. And then you've got Sheamus. And Sheamus on Friday Night SmackDown said something to the effect of, "This, this is what I do. I put on banger after banger after banger after banger. And he was right. And Sheamus is is such an anomaly in that the longer he's been here, he seems to get better. Sheamus now in 2022 is better than Sheamus, who was world heavyweight champion. As as He's a more complete competitor. He's gotten himself into even better physical condition, which is hard to believe is possible. And Sheamus notoriously beats the living piss out of everyone who steps in the ring against him, as does Gunther. These two are going to wallop one another and I could not be more excited for the Intercontinental title match and also add to the fact to the point this is the first premium live event pay-per-view whatever you want to call it in 30 years in the UK this is special for Gunther for Sheamus for Drew on a whole different level than it is for everybody and trust me Vic you know everybody within the company is excited about this we know we are going to have 60,000 plus rabid fans in this stadium and the fans in the UK. I, I don't know. Have you ever been to the, you've done a few NXT UK shows. In I've been UK, to Wales. I, I've been to Cardiff, Wales and have done uh, shows there. And it's, it's amazing crowd. And it's funny to say, cause I don't want, I don't want to be negative here. The audience, the universe, the fans, they bring it for every single match at 110%. It's unreal to, to be honest. No doubt about it. I had one of my first big breaks in my career in England, which obviously is part of the UK. Uh, And it, it, to me, is the most passionate part of our fan base. The European fans are are rabid. And again, they haven't had something this big in 30 years. Yes, we do. Usually once or twice a year, we'll do a Raw. We'll do a SmackDown. We'll, you know, do the European tours, the live event tours all the time. This is going to be massive. So you think of the energy, you take 60,000 fans cheering you or booing you or whatever it is that your, your role is in the WWE bubble, that energy, that human energy is palpable. So you take the two heaviest hitters in the game and you amp them up. You crank the, you crank the amps to 11. You didn't get that reference. Didn't you're supposed to say, why not just make 10 louder? But why not just go make to 10 11? louder? Oh. Because these go to 11, Vic. It's a spinal tap reference. You I don't think I've ever seen that movie. You're acting very Saxton-esque right now. That's a that's a low blow. I mean it. I mean that's it. That's a low and you're gonna, blow. You're going to have to fight your way out of it. You have, you have work to do, Vic. You have till the end of the show. Anyway, Gunther Sheamus going to beat 
the bloody hell out of one another. I am stoked beyond stoked. And another match that I think may be more physical than we're expecting. You look like you have something to say. You got something I to do, add there? there? There is, because something sparked in my head. You talk about Sheamus and his career. It's amazing to me Sheamus has been around so long, and he has the ability to do something he's never done before, win the Intercontinental Championship. It's unheard of to see someone who's been around as long as Sheamus has and has competed at the level, won the Royal Rumble, won the tag titles. Won, the list goes on. He's never won the Intercontinental title, and that, to me, is something that's interesting in itself, that he's been around for so long and has done everything but one, and that's win this piece of gold, and now these two are on that collision course Saturday. And it's in a matchup that we are seeing for the first time ever. And, right. and think of the physicality of every Sheamus-Drew McIntyre match. It's become a selling point in and of itself. It doesn't have to be for a championship. It doesn't have to mean anything. You just know these two dudes are going to go out and beat the hell out of each other. And people love it. It's fun to watch. I'm sure it's not fun to be in the ring for, but it's a lot of fun to watch. And and to have this match with those stakes, with the Intercontinental title that could be Sheamus' first ever, you've got a dominant current champion in Gunther who has no intention of embarrassing himself in Europe defending his championship and what is likely the biggest crowd he's ever competed in front of. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the stakes don't get any higher and these guys are going to destroy each other. But the same can also be said for Riddle and Rollins. Matt Riddle, you're welcome, WWE Universe. I like to take credit for it just because I was the first person to say it on Raw. So I feel like I need to get a little bit of credit. I pointed that one out last night. Watch, I went, wait a minute. That says Matt. Listen, I'm doing the Lord's work. I'm trying to get I know. Oh, first I names back. Me, I know. It's a work in progress. But Matt Riddle and Rollins. And this is a story that has happened and, and been simmering throughout the summer. And to me, never really captured my imagination like it did Monday night. I love Seth freaking Rollins. Not only is he my friend, he is one of, if not my favorite competitor to watch. I've said it on this show. In my opinion, he is the best professional wrestler on the planet Earth right now. Riddle is unbelievable. And prior to the summer, Riddle just sort of started hitting his stride. Obviously, that incredible matchup with Roman Reigns. Once Randy's out of the picture with his injury, Riddle's sort of a man without a country, trying to figure out who he is, what he's doing. And and to me, it felt like the story never really developed. There was never another step. It was Rollins stomping him. Okay, Rollins going to stomp him again. Oh, Riddle comes out at SummerSlam, wants to fight, gets stomped again. It just kind of felt like a holding pattern. Monday night, I did the backstage interview with the two of them. And then, of course, we all saw the footage that aired after the fact. The deeply personal, uh, profane at times, exchange between Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins. That's how you talk them into the building, kids. I want to see those two dudes fight. I know they're both great technicians. I want to see these two beat the piss out of each other, just like Gunther and Sheamus. I know how much you love Seth freaking Rollins. You've talked about it. You've just stated it again. I want to focus on Matt Riddle for a moment from your perspective. Is this the biggest moment for Riddle in his WWE and NXT career? And I ask you that because he caught fire teaming with Randy Orton. Now is this a sink or swim moment? Like, all right, bud, here's the ball. You're going in there with the best person in this company. If you can't hang... Is the, Have we seen him peak? If you can hang, does he get the rocket to his back? Where does Riddle go here? Riddle, I think, is in a win-win situation right now. I think it took the summer to figure out who Riddle is on his own because RK-Bro was such a fun team to watch, to develop, to interact. It was a almost a feel-good segment every week or anytime you'd see Randy and Riddle together. It just was, it was fun. Lighthearted. It was something different. Yeah. Right. This is an opportunity for Riddle, and and we definitely got a glimpse of it on Monday. People forget, yes, he's the original bro. Yes, his head's always in the clouds. Yes, he's perpetually in that state of mind, and it's kind of funny, and it's he's charming in a sort of silly way. The world has seemed to have forgotten that Matt Riddle was a professional fighter, a professional badass, and we haven't seen that side. We haven't really seen Riddle kick it into that next gear. We saw glimpses of it with Roman out of necessity, but this is a chance for Riddle to really solidify himself as a main event player on his own. You know, hopefully Randy comes back and we, this isn't the last time we've seen of RK bro, because it is fun and the WWE universe loves it. And who wouldn't want to team with Randy Orton, one of the greatest of all time. 
But this is such a chance for Riddle to go out. And even if he doesn't beat Seth freaking Rollins, I have no doubt these two are going to tear it down. This, you know, Gunther and, and Sheamus are going to be the hardest hitting matchup from a just physicality perspective. Riddle and Rollins could be a, a classic waiting to happen. We could be 24 hours away from a match that people talk about for a long time. Or conversely, maybe maybe this isn't Riddle's moment. And then you realize, okay, he's not that dude yet. Riddle's not ready to stand on his own two feet. That's not to say he won't get there, but maybe now is not the time. But this could be a pivotal night, and I, I predict it will be win, lose, or draw for Riddle. And for Rollins, I think Rollins, the pressure is on him here because Rollins now, to, to everything Riddle's been saying on Monday, Rollins lost three in a row to Cody. Rollins came up short against Roman Reigns last time they competed at the Royal Rumble last year. Rollins needs a big win. So, you know Rollins, he always shows up and shows out. 60,000 plus, big time stadium, it's going to be rocking. And these two genuinely don't like each other. And this has been documented, if you, if you follow the, the dirt sheets, the internet journalists a few years back. And there was truth to that. I, I had a conversation with Rollins about it. Rollins and Riddle are not pals. These aren't two guys that you'll see in catering, you know, oh, wait, we're going to compete later tonight. These dudes exist. You coexist. You got to be professional. But these guys don't like each other. And, and the biting insults Monday night from Rollins to Riddle, man, I'm all for a little reality, a little dose here and there. But that was like raw. That was, no pun intended, that was, I'm going to stick you right to the bone before we get here. And man, I, I truly believe that one could steal the night. It's, it's very interesting because you said everything that has been on my mind for, for Matt Riddle Saturday, win, lose or draw as you moment. I think people that that next layer got put on, so to speak to the onion of who Matt Riddle is. And it took a guy like Seth Rollins to pull it out of him because you're right. They're not chummy. They're not, they're not, they are cordial enough to say, Hey man, how are you? Great. And then they go their separate ways. They're not going to dinner after the show. They're not going to go train together. There is a disdain in that gray area is what makes it so awesome on Saturday. And there, there were elements of truth in all the things that Rollins said, yep. even during the interview portion that I did. Rollins says, you know what? Nobody likes you. And let's be honest, not everybody gets along with everybody. But I've heard numerous stories of people that Riddle rubs the wrong way. That doesn't mean he does it intentionally, but Riddle's a very unique guy. And either you get him or you don't. And a lot of people don't. And Rollins is... is taking offense to that. And maybe he's painting the picture a little more grandiose than it is. Maybe Rollins and two other people don't like Riddle, but there, and there's also a professional rivalry here. They both occupy a similar space, or I should say Riddle wants to occupy the space that Seth Rollins does right now. They're both fantastic technicians. They're both the, the still, despite being veterans, the young lions in the business, the guys who are poised to carry this place for the next 10 years. Rollins has solidified his spot. Riddle's looking to do that, and Riddle has to do it by going through Rollins. And I'm not saying this from an on-screen storyline perspective. I'm talking professionally. There are only so, so many opportunities to be given out. There's also only so many spots, too. Correct. There's, right? there's a finite amount of TV time. There's a finite amount of this. There's media appearances. There's that. All of the things that go into being a big-time WWE superstar, everybody gets their a chance of some sort, but you want you want the big money. You want to make that Seth Rollins money. You want to be the guy that has his own bus. You want to be the guy that gets char- you know, chartered around from these high, high profile appearances. Rollins has tasted it. Rollins has done it. Riddle wants his shot. And I think the first step will be this Saturday in Cardiff. Well, you just sold me on it even more than I was already sold on it. But that's what but you no, did. Of course. And, and I mean this. And, and I'm, not, I'm not disparaging anybody. I, I, I think the world of both guys. I, I've, I don't know Riddle like I know Rollins. But Riddle's always been awesome to me. And, and I've been a fan of his since even before he came to WWE. I remember I, I did an independent uh, signing in Connecticut somewhere. And he was on the show. And that's when I met him. And I, I had just heard rumors he was going to sign with NXT. And that was my first interaction with him. And again, I... We've gone out maybe once or twice and had a couple beers, but I don't know him like I do Rollins. But I, I'm a fan of what Riddle is. And I think the partnership with Randy really helped pull Riddle out of his shell and get the world to understand who he is and what he is. But now you're seeing a whole new dimension because that's what the greatest superstars are. They're all multifaceted. 
Seth Rollins can get under your skin and make you want to gouge your eyes out and be so obnoxious with his cackle and then get in the ring and have one of the best matches, if not the best match of the night, every single night. The world is now realizing, and Riddle's got all these same talents, all these same qualities. I may not dig the laid back stoner bro sort of vibe, but from bell to bell, he's going to go out there and deliver night after night after night. And you look back through history. Some of the greatest rivalries were based in reality. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels yeah. comes to mind. Those two guys were not friends. They, they were cordial. They were professional. They weren't trying to fight each other in the parking lot like Riddle and Rollins did on Monday. <laughs> but you've heard, you've heard rumors and stories of backstage scuffles, and, and there's a lot of tension there. And again, with these insults on Monday, this, this to me is just sort of it stands on its own. It's, it's huge. It's going down at Clash at the Castle. It's going to be an epic matchup, no doubt about it. But there's so many layers to this story that I don't even know if we know how to convey them from a television perspective because this is reality. And again, I, I don't profess to be best friends with either of these guys, but I, I know them and I spend enough time around them. And I hear stories. You hear rumors. You hear rumblings. Oh, this guy pissed that guy off. Oh, this guy insulted so-and-so. Somebody said something on Twitter that rubbed the other guy the wrong way. That's the world we live in. I'm not saying there can only be one, but I'm saying the ultimate winners here are the WWE fans who are going to be treated to a knockdown drag out fight between two of the best technicians in the game. And, and you say a lot of truths too, when it comes to you riddle and Rollins and there is that, I don't want to call it professional jealousy, but there is a spot that Matt Riddle wants. He's worked very hard for it. I've known Correct. Riddle since the Indies when we used to do Indies in Cleveland with our old friend, John Thorne. At AIW. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, so I've known him for a long time. Do I even have a relationship with him? No, because he doesn't let a lot of people in by default or by design. Y right. You know, that's just who he is. So does he rub people the wrong way? Sure. Does he mean to do it? I don't think so. But when you add that layer to the intensity that we saw Monday, and then you just look at Clash at the Castle as a whole, there's just main event match after main event match after main event match from top to bottom. Right, right. It, it's the the intensity coupled with the ability of both Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins that makes me so excited. It's not just, Ooh, these guys don't like each other. They're going to beat each other. Like Seamus and, and Gunther. There's no real personal drama. It's very surface level. Hey, we're fighting for the title and I'm the hardest fighter in the game. No, I'm the hardest fighter in the game. Okay. Well, let's fight over it. Very simple, very surface level. Two big badasses are going to throw down. Right. In the back of their mind, they're saying, who's going to leave more welts on the other? You exactly. know, that's the type of mentality exactly. they have. Yeah. They're going <laughs> out there with the intention of physically destroying each other. And they'll probably go out and have a beer afterwards because it's, it's strictly professional. It's strictly business between the two of those. And on the polar opposite end of that spectrum is Riddle and Rollins, who are two of the most able competitors in the business. And they have a real tangible personal dislike for one another. This is the stuff magic is made of. This is the stuff that could spark a rivalry that we will be talking about on A&E 15 years from now because both guys have all the tools to be those dudes and have something to create something that will live on in the minds and hearts of WWE fans for a long time. Will it be this Saturday? I have a feeling no. I, don't, I have a feeling this isn't going to be the last time. I have a feeling oh, no matter no. what happens Saturday, we're going to run this back. And you know what? I'm already okay with it. I'm totally Chapter fine. One. Chapter one, man. Let them run. Let them loose. I cannot wait to see where this goes, but I just have a feeling. You know me, Vic. I, I am as jaded as, as from a wrestling fan perspective no. as, as anybody can be, right? No, you're not. I've, you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> this excites me. This excites me, right? I, I, I talk about the good and the bad all the time, and there are things that I like, things I gravitate toward. This, to me, is just plain exciting because I know in my guts and in my heart, it's going to be good. I think it's going to be great. To be honest, you say, let them run. I'm already envisioning, oh man, what if they, they, they go to Royal Rumble? What if they go to WrestleMania? I mean, this is a WrestleMania caliber event. Let's just call it what it is, at least to me. I completely agree with you. First time ever, Riddle and Rollins. First time ever, Gunther and Sheamus. Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns will have been champion for 732 days by the time we go on the air at Clash at the Castle. That is unheard of. The most dominant champion of the modern era by a long shot. And then you've got Drew McIntyre challenging Roman on his home turf in the UK. 
I can't wait to get Drew's thoughts on it. And you know what, Vic? Let's not waste any more time. Let's welcome the challenger for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship this Saturday, Clash at the Castle, the Scottish Warrior, Drew McIntyre. Drew, first of all, thank you for taking time out of your absolutely insane schedule. Uh, it is Tuesday morning. We've talked about it a few times here as we record this. It, but by the time it releases on Friday, you will be less than 24 hours away from what I think it's fair to say is the biggest match of your career. It is. It is absolutely the biggest match of my career. It's Tuesday night where I'm sitting right now. Just a touchdown in Cardiff. Well, London technically had a few interviews they made my way to Cardiff and just arriving here and seeing all the posters for a clash this Saturday or tomorrow, if you're listening on Friday, um, is incredible. I can't believe you know, this stadium show, a dream, um, but a dream for a very long time as well, is actually happening. And not only that, I'm in the main event and the title match is wild. Walk us through a little bit of what your past few days and the next few days leading up to Clash will be like from a promotional standpoint. Obviously, everybody sees what WWE superstars do on Mondays and Fridays, but you're on the ground right now literally doing the legwork. You're doing appearances. You're doing promotional things. Just talk to us a little bit about the work that comes with the responsibility that comes with being in your role. Well, I've actually got a calendar right here and our little WWE app. We all have to keep us right. I'll walk you right through it. Uh, I can tell you in the past two weeks, um, I have been home in Nashville for a total of 12 hours. And this past weekend, um, aside Friday, where I got one of the worst beatings of my entire life, like any bar fight or any fight I've ever been in, I don't think I've ever been beaten that bad. <laughs> That's beating the bloodline yeah. gave me on Friday. And uh, Saturday, Sunday, I made our live events, like I told everybody there. I'm still breathing. I'm still making my gigs. One day I intend to get the titles on those weekend shows once again. And then Monday I was straight at, I was straight home to Nashville, washed my clothes, jumped back on a plane. And last week was much the same. So arriving today, we went straight from the flight to uh, Sky Sports News, which is pretty cool for me. That's uh, you know a station I used to watch when I was a kid. It covers soccer, football, obviously, as we call it, the biggest sport in the world. Today was the last day of the transfer deadline window which is a huge, huge day. Millions and millions of people watching, and I got to sit there and talk about WWE myself. Clash of the Castle, which was awesome. Three-hour journey here. Talk with you all. Tomorrow is Wednesday, so let's click on Wednesday. Let's see how we're looking. We got 7.30 in the morning we start, and we will go for ooh, a few hours. We'll stop at 1.30 p.m. with uh, PR appearances tomorrow. I'm talking about potentially going to a soccer match as well tomorrow. We're trying to work out. You know, something pretty cool there. And Thursday, uh, we start at 9 a.m. We got some PR for three hours, and then we've got a 1 p.m. workout. Then a 5 p.m., we're back into the PR appearances. Um, and we have something for, a, which is, you know, one of my favorites, you know, our um, community area of the company, anti-bullying campaign. That's a good one right there. And uh, Friday, we start at 10 in the morning. We'll go into the PR junket for uh, two and a half hours. Then we'll jump into um, oh, a meet and greet. I got to meet the people this week. I didn't know that. Hopefully I'll promote that sometime soon. Then we've got community again with Special Olympics. Then we've got uh, something at 5.45 to cap off the day and Saturday morning, some community work. And then I will sit down and think how I'm going to beat Roman's ass. <laughs> I need a nap you know, from we, listening. We can't bitch anymore, Graves. You and I can <laughs> I know, no longer right? bitch about getting on a plane. I mean, you're gonna. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And I feel very privileged to do it. Like, here's the thing. like Everyone knows my story, I think, at this point, and especially those amazing videos we had on SmackDown last week telling my story. You know, I've been in positions where nobody wants to talk to me. I'm just hoping for an opportunity. It's not coming my way. And quite frankly, I wasn't giving it my all. I probably didn't deserve the opportunity. And now I'm getting a lot of opportunities. And sometimes my wife might say, is this not too much? And I'll say, hell no, I've had the opposite. Like, it's all or nothing. I'll take it all. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. We haven't talked to you about championships and your family and, and your wife. Did you ever fathom in your wildest dreams, you'd be following in the footsteps of the British Bulldog. My wildest dreams, absolutely. But uh, that was my wild ones. <laughs> my, my actual dreams and my actual goals were main event WrestleMania and win the title. That was the big dream. I did it. Technically, you know, I didn't imagine there wouldn't be anybody there. But obviously, the times we're living in, that's what happens. The idea of main event in a UK stadium show wasn't a thought, a dream as a kid, because it didn't exist. The situation didn't exist. I only started dreaming about it when I got signed to WWE. I came to America. I remember I was 22 years old. I was in town relations. I believe it was John Laurinaitis at the time. I asked him, why, you know, what don't we do these UK stadium shows? Oh, logistics, Drew, time difference, a lot of reasons. Okay. As the years passed, I would ask more questions. Why can't we do this show? We've started to do more shows across the world. Again, I get the same excuses, and it got to the point when we had the network and we started doing these big super shows across the world. We did one in 2018 in Australia, and that's the time where I said, come on. We're in Australia. There's nowhere with a crazier time difference than Australia. Surely the UK can get um, a stadium show. It's a rabid fan base. Do you not like money? Business-wise, it's obviously (laughs) Passion from the fans, atmosphere-wise, I've been amazing visual. Be good for the company, good for the fans, good for everybody. Can we not make this happen? And I just started talking about it nonstop in interviews, particularly when I became WWE champion. Got some bigger platforms to spread my message, and it got to the point where one of the guys uh, backstage is sitting beside me. And I have said, you know something? I said, don't know anything. I've just got goals. So I just kept doing what I was doing. The geniuses backstage kept doing what they were doing, pushing uh, to make things happen. And it got to the point where we started having conversations and I was letting in the conversations. And, you know, you never assume anything's done until the, the T's are dotted, or the T's are crossed and the lowercase J's are dotted. But finally, once we got everything official, um, it was a very, very cool day of something I've dreamt about for a long time. And a lot of hard work from a lot of hardworking people backstage made it finally happen. And now I'm in that match. And I really can't wrap my head around. I can look out the window and I can see signs for it right now. I can see Roman's stupid face to the left of me and a billboard right there. And I can see mine down the street. And there's uh, Bailey as well. It's pretty cool. I'm in the thick of it now. You mentioned you did achieve your dream of winning the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. You defeated Brock Lesnar, but it was the weirdest WrestleMania in history. Mid-pandemic, no fans. In hindsight, do you feel like maybe you were shortchanged a little bit in accomplishing your dream? And do you feel as though maybe you never got the credibility of being WWE Champion that most people get when they achieve the pinnacle of the business? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it from that perspective... um, you know, what makes a top-level superstar in our industry is those moments and racking up as many big moments as possible. So obviously I missed out on a huge moment in a stadium beating Brock in five minutes and raising the title with the fans going crazy. I had such momentum at the time. So yeah, I absolutely did lose out on that. Um, And you need those moments to be a true top, top top-level superstar in WWE. But as I've talked about often, um, you know, the times where we're living in, I'm very proud of what WWE did and what Drew McIntyre did during that time because everywhere shut down. There was no escape. We put on WrestleMania over two days for the first time ever. I had the feel-good story going in, and if I beat Brock, it would make a lot of people smile. And we're always saying the company smiles on faces. It's not just a silly company lie, and it's true. And I've seen it firsthand in our community area of the company, and 
in times like WrestleMania and after WrestleMania, the feedback was unbelievable. We were up, um, you know, chatter on social 60% from the year prior. And I've spoke to people and met people since then who told me that that period of WWE literally saved their lives. So I am very proud of what we did. But for Drew McIntyre, the superstar, like, yeah, I'm still searching for those big moments like that to get to where I want to get to. And Clash is a perfect opportunity to get that moment. Roman Reigns has been the most dominant champion of the modern era. Come this Saturday, he will have been universal champion for 732 days, which is unheard of. But Roman's sort of now occupying more of the space that an attraction would, almost not necessarily to the Brock Lesnar level, but you only see Roman once in a while. He competes few and far between. Drew, you're, you're very open and honest about how you thrive under this pressure. You love being the workhorse of WWE. WWE obviously has been well-publicized, is in the midst of a massive change, the biggest change in the company in history. Mr. McMahon is no longer in charge. It's a whole new era. Why in 2022, in this place where the business is, is Drew McIntyre better equipped to be the face of WWE than Roman Reigns? Well, um, for one, I know like Roman is a huge star. We can see the positives. He's worked really hard to get to where he's at. Uh, he's done some incredible work for 10 straight years, but these past two years have been unbelievable. But he has taken a step back. That's the truth. And in fact, he's taken a step back in his career with that limited schedule has allowed me to take two steps forward because I believe the titles need to be represented on our television shows, defended on a more regular basis, shown um, in our media appearances on the live events. And that's the difference right there is I'm still in the position where I'm 24-7. I can't imagine ever being in a position no matter where I make it to where I'm not 24-7 and with this company full-time. If I'm physically capable, I will be here. I'll be representing the company. We talked about my schedule a little bit. I would love to have the titles and take them around. And it makes such a difference for the presentation of our company when the champion is there with the titles. And you mentioned, you know, there's changes going on right now. It starts at the top and it all rolls downhill. To steal one from old Wade, sign his new contract, the winds of change are blowing for WWE right now. <laughs> Starting at the top and we Roman here. I hope Roman sticks around as long as he possibly because he is phenomenal at what he does. But I believe those titles need to be represented in a different manner, especially you know with the wrestling element more focused on uh, within the company right now. During this journey you've had you know, to this point, to this match with Roman Reigns, you look back and ever wish anything happened a little differently for you? Do you wish that you were Roman Reigns for the last 10 years? Do, do you wish anything could change? No, no. One time, I mean, I saw the cross package, which is interesting. You know, it's pretty cool what they're doing with him. He certainly knows how to push buttons, <laughs> like mentioning, you know, I was the chosen one, and then it didn't work out, and the new chosen one stepped in, and, you know, I had to work my butt off, earn an opportunity to come back, and became the people's chosen one. That's why I got the opportunities that I got, but I wouldn't change a thing. Like, I'm always about that butterfly effect. If you change one thing in your career, one thing in your life, you might not end up the person you are today. I might not, you know, be the man I am today. Never mind the superstar I am today. Maybe I've not got the wife I've got that helped me become the man I am today. I wouldn't change one damn thing because the person I am today, and I said it before the pandemic, when I get that title, I'm ready to lead the company into the future from all my experiences, all the ups and downs, especially in life. And as soon as COVID hit and I became champion, I felt the same. I'll lead by example. That was two years ago. And since then, I've just kept learning lessons, learning lessons. And I'm ready to be that guy for the company, for our fans, and for Drew McIntyre. And I don't think that anybody doubts that Drew McIntyre is ready for Saturday from a professional aspect or from a professional perspective. You've battled through the adversity. You had the most bizarre WrestleMania main event in history. You've been fired. You've fought your way back. I want you to focus for a second on the little kid growing up in Scotland who watched and dreamt of becoming a WWE superstar. It's here. You are about to step in front of 60,000 plus fans in the UK in the main event for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against the most dominant champion of the last decade. Talk to me about Drew McIntyre, the kid who is now about to achieve a dream by just competing in this moment. Is the magnitude of the moment weighing on you? Is there pressure? Hmm. It's a different kind of pressure these days for these big moments because I'm fully equipped. And when I was younger, you know, pressure would get to me and I wasn't fully equipped for the situation. I'm fully equipped for this main event, this gigantic main event on this gigantic show against a gigantic superstar. 
like Roman. And the problem about asking the young Drew these kind of questions is I was so freaking cocky when I was a kid. I would say, you're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> the man in the best superstar of all time. And I had that attitude right up until I was the chosen one. So it took a while in a firing to humble my ass. Now every day is day one. Every day is starting like, okay, let's just assume one person doesn't know who Drew is. Like, I do an interview earlier today. It's on Sky Sports News. Millions of people watching, mostly soccer fans. They don't know who I am. I start hit the reset button. I start again. Monday, Friday Night Smackdown, Monday Night Raw, the weekend live events. I don't assume people know who I am. Even if I get the good reaction, my music hits. I always, like, think of everything as day one. I'm very lucky to be in this position. Keep myself humble. Keep myself grounded. Think like number two no matter what position uh, that I'm in. And after Saturday, when I'm in number one, I'll still be thinking like number two. That's a very interesting mindset. Very, very interesting perspective to keep. From that perspective, you're a guy who's sort of taken on a a locker room leader role, whether you opted for it or not. It just comes with the territory. You're a a top star. You are are a locker room leader. When you look across the landscape of WWE, if you are the number one position come Sunday morning, what would you like to see within? Amidst all these changes, Drew, the the fan of this business and now being in a very unique position, what would you like if you had your druthers to to change or continue to adapt and evolve within the company? I mean, things are flowing so good and interesting over the past month. It's been so exciting. And uh, a lot of people are referring to it as a honeymoon phase. I really don't think it is. I think this is the way it's going to be going forward. And the biggest thing I've noticed is the emphasis on the wrestling aspect and we're WWE at the core. Things are going to stay the way you know they were to a certain degree. So successful. That's why we're such a gigantic company. But I grew up a wrestling fan, watching the wrestling matches, the physicality. That's what I enjoyed most, and I've seen a lot of it recently, and a lot of great wrestling recently. And what I'd really like to see is the titles defended. You know, remember the thirty day rule? That was a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see that back. It's titles represented, defended. We need we need a Jack Tunney, uh, a president to to keep track of that sort of stuff. <laughs> but you you use the word physicality, and Vic, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna step on you here because I know where you're going. I can see it in your eyes. We're talking physicality. Vic and I spent a few minutes at the top of the show talking about one of your closest friends slash best rivals, Sheamus and Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be able to step back and watch that go down and 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 share in your friend's moment? Yes, very cool. Um, you know, the Clash card in general is such a solid card, but that's going to be an amazing match. I, I missed the trick when you were talking about being a locker room leader, and I was about to say, you know, I'm old, I've been around for a minute, but you know, I'm technically 37. Everyone thinks I'm in my 40s because I've been around for so long, and Seamus is way older, so they should be looking to him. <laughs> Those old, old boys. I'm a young old man. But anyway, it's put him over now that I've buried him for a bit. Um, it's very exciting. Aside the fact that, um, you know, to have... Gunther in WWE, best ship of his life, doing some fantastic work, is very exciting. He's somebody I was around in the independence. And Sheamus competing um, for the Intercontinental Championship, the one title that's alluded to him. He's won literally everything multiple times over in his career. That's the one title he wants more than anything. It's always escaped his grasp. And now it's in the UK. It's in, uh, you know, like he loves SummerSlam 92. Him and I used to watch it like crazy before we got signed to WWE when we first met. It was one of our favorite events to watch. He's got this opportunity, not only that, to fight for the IC title against an opponent. He doesn't have to worry about how, how hard he hits him or how hard he gets hit. He never worries about how hard he gets hit. <laughs> Ali is going to be off the charts. Um, I'm excited about that match. And uh, Seamus likes to joke about following it. And I, like him and I talked privately about it because obviously we like about banter online. I was like, man, bloody hell, if there wasn't such a momentum you know build the titles weren't on the line and you know that roman and i weren't the positions we were in for an atmosphere perspective i'd be a little worried because you guys are going to steal it from an in-ring perspective i i agree and, uh, i'm excited to i don't know on the night i'll try and watch obviously i got a big match to be thinking about but i can't wait to sit down in the hotel with him and watch the show back hopefully by a couple of titles beside us yeah which is interesting this one's an interesting one this will probably turn into a clip in 2009 and uh, TLC, I beat John Morrison, became Intercontinental Champion on the same show that Sheamus beat John Cena and became World Champion. And we sat in the hotel after with our titles. Now the roles are flipped around. And because ah. all those years later, we could do the same thing. That's really wild. Totally wild to think about. <laughs> I, wanna, I want you to talk to me for a second about the, the UK wrestling scene. That's obviously where I, I cut my teeth a lot. That's kind of where I got one of my first breaks was in, in England and knowing how passionate it was. But the UK, particularly the independent scene, 
was almost non-existent and it certainly wasn't healthy. And that was about, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago at this point. But now we are WWE coming and leaving a footprint again on the UK. What do you think this means for the future of British wrestling and potentially kids that are able to experience this or, or young adults who are being able to feel this for the first time as far as creating the next generation and keeping the love of this business healthy and alive in the UK when it's suffered and struggled over the years? Yeah, I think this is going to be very big uh, to inspire a lot of people in future generations, just like you know my generation, uh, Wade and Sheamus and the previous two generations ago were inspired by SummerSlam 92, <laughs> an impact that had on us. Um, I think a lot of kids are going to be watching going, you know, this is pretty freaking cool. I want to try this. And it's amazing to see how far the scene has come, you know, from those days when you were coming over all the time. And I was in Memphis in my career also. And we were lucky to get a farmer and a dog showing up to some of the shows. And all those years later, when I got released to see it on the upswing and be part of that uh, movement from 2014 to 2017, when the independents were on fire all across the world and myself and a few others were at the forefront of it. And it led to, you know, myself fulfilling my potential. It led to a creation of another company. You know, it was such a cool time for wrestling. And it's been on a bit of a downturn since, since a few of us have been locked up in the, not locked up, we're very fortunate, but under full-time contracts with their respective companies. And it's cool to see there's a lot of talent out there. It's starting to upswing again. And I think a big event like this will inspire the next generation to get going and it'll be as healthy as it was during that time period. And not only that, I hear a little rumor about NXT Europe, which is probably going to help. Yeah, <laughs> certainly isn't going to hurt. <laughs> Certainly not. And I, I do want to piggyback off Graves for a second, Drew. What's the biggest difference to you from fans in Europe and fans stateside? Because a little bit I've had over in Europe with what we talked about NXT UK, which become NXT Europe. They're into it 100%. They give so much to each performer. Yeah, I mean, there's certain states that are a little more rowdier than other states. It's interesting um, when you move from state to state. And America is almost like going from country to country, how different things can be. But the UK fans, the only thing I can compare them to is if you take the time, check out some soccer matches and don't watch the action on the field, watch the fans in the crowd. Like for the beginning match to the end of the match, they're on their feet, they're screaming, they're shouting, they're probably not so PG. And they've got chants going the whole time for the team, for specific players. They're just nonstop passion. And I've been to like certain sporting events in America where I've watched people stand up and get into the game or shout a particular player and Certain people in the crowd looked at them and discussed, like, what are you doing? Sit down and watch the game. And I was like, what is going on here? This is not what I'm used to. This is not what I grew up with. If you're not on your feet going crazy at a soccer match, you're going to get a bottle off your face or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's like they're into 100% if they love it and they give it their all from beginning to end. And I've been to the principality. I'm down the street from it right now. I was by myself with a few people filming some stuff and I stood in the field and I screamed like I do when I do my little pause and my voice echoed all around the arena that feeling the roof of the principality is so close to the pitch. It contains all the noise. And the only thing I can imagine it's going to be like is if you watch ECW one night stand, only a couple of thousand people you could fit in the Hammerstein, how wild it is, just times that by a freaking lot. That's how loud it's going to be. And I'm deaf as it is right now. I'll probably go actually deaf once I win the titles that night. Well, Drew, before we let you go, I know you're a busy, busy guy. What does the WWE universe, what do the After the Bell fans need to know and what can they expect Saturday night from Drew McIntyre in the biggest match of his career? I mean, I just want to put the show over first and say make sure you check out this show. I really believe this is going to be a show people are going to be talking about for a long time, just like SummerSlam 92. For the action in the ring, um, you mentioned Sheamus and Walter. There's a few great matches on there. We've seen how crazy things have got with Seth and Riddle, but more so for the crowd. Like, that's what people are going to remember. Remember how wild the fans were. Remember when Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, it's how Drew McIntyre and Roman were out there and they hadn't even touched how crazy the crowd were going with their chants. Um, and that atmosphere was electric. And, you know, you, everybody knows how physical, how talented Roman is. You know what I'm capable of. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to put my body on the line as a bigger guy. It's going to be a match we're going to be talking about for a long time. And we do it for the fans. So thank you, everybody out there for... Support me, support WWE, and don't miss this one. Coliseum Video fans, this is one you're going to want to keep. (laughs) (laughs) Check out your local blockbuster. There's one left. (laughs) Uh, Well, Drew, we appreciate you. Thank you for everything you're doing on the ground over there to make sure that we have this stadium packed out. And just on a human being level, 
make sure you enjoy it, man. Make sure you take that minute when your music hits to walk in the aisle and you look around and see 60,000 plus rabid fans, all eyes on you. This is what you worked for. This is your moment, win, lose, or draw, whatever the outcome may be. Make sure that you savor what you get to experience Saturday because I know all of us are going to be, but man, you are in a very, very special, unique position and I'm excited for you. I have no oh, yeah. doubt you guys are going to tear the house down. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. And thank you for the reminder. It's good to reinforce that. That's something I told myself since I returned to the company. I don't remember my first run. There's a few things I remember, like standing in the ring as The Undertaker made his entrance towards me, which never usually happened. Generally, The Undertaker would come out second. You would be in the ring. I came out second towards the ring with The Undertaker in there, which never happened. I remember that clearly because I remember looking at him pacing in the ring saying, he's going to kill me. <laughs> Usually he comes out second. He's the main event. He's the main attraction. That's all I can remember from my first run because I didn't moments. I didn't allow myself to look around, to take a breath. I was so tense. So these days I do try to do that. So thank you for the reminder. I'm absolutely buzzing out of my mind, mostly from the caffeine I've drank today, but also the adrenaline <laughs> thinking about the show. Well, we'll let you go. Hopefully the caffeine wears off. The adrenaline slows down for right now. Save some for Saturday night, but yeah. uh, get a little rest, man. I know that's going to be tough, but I have no doubt you're going to be ready. And you and Roman are going to deliver a memorable main event Saturday night in Cardiff. Awesome. I appreciate you, lads. Well, Vic, unfortunately, it is time for me to hop aboard the old aeroplane and try... Traverse is the word I'm looking for. I almost said transperse, which I don't think is a word. Traverse the Atlantic Ocean heading to Cardiff, Wales for Clash at the Castle, streaming live, WWE on Peacock. Check your time zones because it's in the UK. It starts 6 p.m. locally, which is 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in the States, which is 10 a.m. if you're in California. Either way, block out a huge chunk of your Saturday. You don't want to miss this. Clash at the Castle. We are going to be talking about it, I have a feeling, for weeks. We'll definitely have you covered here on After the Bell. Vic, promise me you're going to hold it down and you're not going to saxton this thing up while I'm on the other side of the pond. I will never saxton anything up. I have my doubts, but I'm going to put a little <laughs> faith in you. Make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find him at Vic Joseph WWE. Listen for free on Spotify. Just search for After the Bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, likely a whole bunch of residual welts, and more WWE After the Bell. <laughs>